Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare 
first humpy beg you a blessing of your lordships, Shiva Prabhupada, Tafara Parag, all the devotees here online to say something Krishna conscious. So even though uh, our lordships here are called Radha Govinda, still, <clears throat> and, they, and they're not called Madan Mohan, like Sanatana Goswami's deities in, in Vrindavan, still they help us to um, curb this lust. So we're told to um, meditate on the form of the Lord, from the lotus feet to uh, the crown or turban uh, on the head, and especially to meditate on the eyebrows of the Lord to become free from lust. So, and Govinda has a beautiful golden eyebrows that uh, will act like thunderbolts on the mountain of lust in our heart. So in that way, uh, Govinda is like that Madonna, that Cupid, Supreme Cupid. That's Krishna. He's, uh, he's the controller of all these things. And, and especially this spiritual lust, you could say, of, of the gopis. So we're uh, taking shelter in this way because Srila uh, <coughs> Prabhupada taught us how uh, to serve the deities and put our uh, feelings and our emotions and our desires our senses engaged, uh, all of these things in uh, the service of the deity, so that our different material desires and our attachments will uh, become purified because we'll become more and more attached to the deity by service. You can see how service is uh, such a connection, right? This is yukta, the connecting, bhakti yoga. There's the yoking, the connecting, the yukta with the Lord. And so in this way, we have a, an actual attachment that is based on the soul. So uh, this will allow us to um, subdue the God Cupid or lust. Um, so you can probably... Um, verify this uh, through your own experience of serving the deities, like, you know, say you're serving uh, the Acharyas, Shiva Prabhupada and Shiva Bhakti Siddhanta, and you're serving them, engaging your mind and senses and your heart, and, you know, all your desires, you're trying to um, be the servant of uh, Shiva Prabhupada and Shiva Bhakti Siddhanta's servants. So over time, you can say that some attachment actually does develop. Um, and you can see that um, material attachments start to fade because there's an attachment that comes um, by the blessings of uh, the Guru and Guranga, like Guru and Guranga, the deities are blessing you that your um, lusty attachments are becoming loving attachments. And that's through Bhakti Yoga. So you can see the efficacy of the deity worship that, you know, your regulated opportunities to serve them in whatever way, dressing, bathing, artists, offerings, whatever, cleaning, Whatever you do, um, on all the services, they're uh, serving uh, Madan Mohan, which means serving Radha Govinda. This is Krishna. And specifically, Madan Mohan is mentioned here because Madonna is Cupid, and the supreme um, Cupid is, of course, Krishna. So Krishna is here, supreme Cupid. And it's so captivating that um, uh, to learn how to control the senses will be a successful thing. We won't fail. Like here in the purport, Prabhupada saying that 
um, if we do not do this process of bhakti yoga and curb the senses through service, then uh, there's a big failure in terms of um, being able to control the senses. So um, this is a, a pretty amazing secret. Just like, um, for example, uh, someone's engaged uh, throughout the day in all the different services, could be serving the deities, could be um, serving, uh, you know, the Harnam party or whatever, college programs, you know, whatever you're doing, outreach, anything, um, book distribution, prasadam distribution, so that absorption is helping you to control your senses and engage them and put them um, uh, on Krishna. <laughs> so uh, in this way, there's, uh, there's no failure and there's no material infatuation. In fact, you become very much attached to your services. In other words, you really develop um, in your heart an appreciation for doing the service. There's some attachment there. And that attachment helps you to chip away at the uh, mountain of lust in the heart that um, the God Cupid um, is placing in the heart. So just like with Arjuna as well, you know, uh, different ways of looking at attachments and lust. So Arjuna is looking at in terms of family connections and his own, you know, feelings. So uh, different levels of lust. And so Krishna is saying in the Bhagavad Gita how this lust comes about and how to curb it. So uh, if we have a, a second mic and anybody wants to refer to, uh, you know, a Gita verse for lust, uh, we, we can do so. I was just thinking, you know, if anyone has something, you can just raise your hand when you have it. I was just thinking of how uh, Arjuna is hearing from Krishna that, you know, he's, he's contemplating the objects of the senses. And, uh, you know, he gets attached to the, those objects. So if we contemplate the deity, we'll get attached to the deity and the deity's service. Um, and then uh, that lust, if you're attached to material things, then lust develops. But if you're attached to the, to the deity and the service and harinam, etc., then um, there's loving feelings that start to develop instead of the lust. But in, in the Gita, we see the progression that happens when there's lust. And so would anybody like to read something? We have Nate here. Well, Arjun acts as Krishna um, what, by what one is one impelled to simple acts, even unwillingly, as, as if engaged by force. And then Krishna says, by lust only. And then from there, he goes on where the, how the lust develops and how to get rid of it. So, uh, what was that? Uh, First, verse 336. 336. Okay, so it would be good to read about um, how the lust develops. Do you want to read that? The Supreme Personality of God has said it is lust only, Arjuna, which is born in contact with the materials of passion and later transformed into wrath, which is the all-devouring sinful enemy in this world. As fire is covered by smoke, as a mirror is covered by dust, or as embryo is covered by the womb, the living entity is similarly covered by different degrees of this lust. Thus, the wise of the entity's pure consciousness becomes covered by this eternal enemy in the form of lust, which is never satisfied and which burns like fire. The senses, the mind, and the intelligence are the same places of this lust. Through them, lust covers the real knowledge of the living entity and the real descent. You can see if, you have, if your senses, mind, and intelligence are sitting places for lust, then there's a lot of disturbance and anxiety. But if senses, mind, and intelligence are controlled by love, then there's happiness 
and um, uh, fulfilling engagement. Therefore, O Arjuna, best of the Bhartas, in the very beginning, curb this great symbol of sin, whilst by regulating the senses, enslave this destroyer of knowledge and self-realization. Uh, this, this, the working senses are superior to dull matter, mind is higher than the senses, intelligence is higher than the mind, and the soul, and he, the soul, is even higher than the intelligence. Thus, knowing oneself to be transcended to the material senses, mind, and intelligence, Almighty Arjuna, one should steady the mind by deliberate spiritual intelligence, Krishna consciousness, and thus by spiritual spiritual strength conquer this insatiable enemy known as lust. Thank you. And Sister Krishna, did you want to read or, or say something? Krishna's giving a lot of references in 16 chapters, also saying the three gates leading to hell. So he's just cautioning the living entity, like, here's what you have to watch out for. If you do choose that, or if you put yourself in mode of passion, here's the kind of the snowball effect. Then it goes on to say that Krishna consciousness is so powerful that you can start at any point. 
and follow the regular principles and you'll be okay. So that's really encouraging. And, um, yeah, just seeing, um, I'm trying to remember what it said, but I was reading a little bit of Krishna book this morning as to a lot of sages that just decide to um, negate their senses altogether and then how that comes back to get them because they're not actually... um, like going towards something or actually um, having love towards something that's trying to negate. And our desire is still going to be there if we use it or not. So we need to use it for Christian consciousness. Yeah, yeah thank you. Anyone else? Are there any references or anything to add? Um, Prabhupada often explains the uh, difference between lust and love, that lust is like iron and love is like gold. So they're two different things. One is precious and the other is common. Um, Iron, you know, common. And gold, precious. So uh, this Krishna Prema is the gold and the lust is in this iron age of Kali is very pronounced. So we can see that here in this uh, text, um, Lord Brahma, he becomes uh, infatuated. And we see that it's, it's a good example of how Krishna allows great souls like Brahma, Shiva, Arjuna to enact these different pastimes to show us the dangers of uh, lust, and then gives uh, Lord Brahma the opportunity to come as Haridas Thakur and uh, be able to um, defeat lust via his uh, attachment to the holy names that uh, Haridas Thakur is uh, attempted to be defamed by uh, this you know, landlord uh, Ramachandra Khan, who uh, employed a prostitute to um, degrade him and defame him because Ramachandra Khan was envious of Hardas Thakur. So Hardas Thakur, by his attachment to the holy names, he was free from lust. And even though this uh, beautiful prostitute was you know, trying to abort him. He only stayed there on the spot in order to deliver her. You know, it was like three nights or something that he was still chanting. And and, uh, so she was listening to the holy names and then, you know, every once in a while she'd go, oh my Lord, for me, oh my Lord, for me. So she she was getting uh, purified by Haridas Thakur's association and then became a great uh, Vaishnavi, and even all the villagers would come to see her because she became a saint. And uh, he told her, just stay here with the Tulsi plant, uh, I will be leaving, and uh, you stay in this ashram, you know, you chant 100,000 names in front of the Tulsi plant, people will take care of you, which they did, and then they would come and supply her with foodstuffs, and um, they came to uh, get her association, actually. She gave everything away, you know, like Haridas Thakur said, you know, you just give everything to the brahmanas and you, you take up this bhakti yoga. So she was um, completely successful and following in the footsteps of her spiritual master, Haridas Thakur, the previous prostitute, she, of course, became, um, you know, great Vaishnavi. Um, the great success is there by linking up with the, the holy names. So then again, the Maya Devi comes to uh, try to attract Haridas Thakur, but same thing. Um, he actually gives her the opportunity to have his association, and um, he becomes um, one of her gurus. Of course, um, Lord Shiva, her husband, is her uh, guru also. But uh, she becomes uh, so much uh, appreciative of Haridas Thakur's dedication to the holy names. And so she uh, reveals to him 
after Ward said, even though she was Maya and she came to test him. So as Lord Brahma, he was tested, you know, Krishna tested him, and he goes through this whole thing of uh, becoming a stag, running after his daughter in lust, but uh, when he uh, begs the Lord to come to this world in a very humble state, he comes as a partial incarnation of um, Lord Brahma and Prahlad Maharaj, as Haridas Thakur, and he, in such a humble state of mind, he is able to be an Amacharya by that attachment to the chanting, and he's totally defeated um, Cupid. <laughs> so, and, and we, so it's a great, great um, example of how the same personality, you know, Lord Brahma, and his incarnation, Haridas Thakur, how they um, encounter lust and what do they do in the situation. So we see that through uh, humility and dedication and absorption in the holy names, uh, Haridas Thakur was in no way uh, a lord. And he had full control of his mind and his senses. And not only that, but he was able to deliver that prostitute. He was able to um, show to all the villagers and all souls for all times the efficacy, the greatness, the um, potency and benefit of the chanting of the holy names. So uh, in this way, we see that uh, you cannot become captivated by Madan Mohan, Krishna, in this age, unless you take to the chanting of the holy names, that we must, we must do this. And not only that, but to really uh, relish and appreciate the holy names and to feel even more connection to them, we need to share the holy names, right? Uh, and whatever service we're doing is meant for that sharing. It's meant to promote Krishna consciousness every single step of this mission. You know, you're putting uh, nails in the wall or whatever, you know, like giant ones, you know, nailing away at the, the rough part and uh, underneath the cars as a mechanic. So everybody, no matter what they're doing, it's all meant to promote the glories of the holy names. And so we need to remember that. Sometimes we may forget, we may think, well, I'm not on Harinam 24 hours a day. But we're still connected, right? Because the holy name is that, that thread that keeps us eternally connected. It's, it's chanted in the spiritual world, the holy names. Chanted in the material world. It, it's chanted in times of uh, when we feel like failures. It's chanted when we feel there's times of success. It's chanted when we don't feel like chanting, right? If we're, you know, intelligent. And it's chanted when we feel, you know, determined to chant nicely. So uh, in this way, we um, can appreciate the, uh, the holy names and uh, I was just hearing from, uh, I was sharing yesterday with some devotees about uh, Satyananda Swami's uh, experience. We know that when we read about the holy names, like when Mahatma Prabhu's writings or Satyananda Swami's writings or any of these writings or Prabhupada's quotes on the holy names that we read in the morning after Mangalarti, they're very much encouraging. And so uh, at one point, um, Satyananda Swami was saying that, you know, we become, uh, you know how it is, he was in a way humbly explaining his own situation, explaining that he was in a dry phase of chanting, right? And so he uh, was at Govardhan Hill, and he was really wanting Krishna to reciprocate with him. You know, oh, Krishna, you know, it's a dry phase in my chanting, and can you please help me to know that you really care and you're really there? <laughs> you know, please just somehow give me a sign. I just need that encouragement. You know, I just really need your 
your presence, your help, and your sign, and to let me know in my heart that, okay, you know you're behind me, and, and it's okay, and I'll, I'll have your, your blessings, right? Uh, otherwise, you know, how can we do anything, he's thinking. You know, how can we uh, be engaged in bhakti yoga with enthusiasm unless we can um, get over these <laughs> the dry spells and get over the, uh, uh, whatever it is that's in the way of um, attentive chanting. So he was sitting there uh, at Govardhan and he said he heard uh, a noise. So he turned around and right behind him was a hissing big black cobra snake ready to strike. And immediately from seemingly nowhere came three parrots to attack the eyes of the cobra. And he was saying, this does not happen. Parrots don't do like that. And they completely distracted the cobra from the attack and allowed Maharaj to have the time to get up and run. And then parrots just disappeared. Um, Snake was very angry and going off. <laughs> and Maharaj was saved. And he thought about it. He thought, this is very unusual. And it's Krishna, these parrots sent by Krishna to show me in a very, you know, striking example, you know, this black snake of ignorance and then Krishna just coming, descending and uh, impeding it and allowing me to run and be encouraged, run to, run to the holy days. <laughs> and so, uh, he, um, he, was ex he was sharing this, this um, incident that happened to him and how he said that, don't worry, you know, Krishna will always reveal himself. Madonna Mohan will always, to the sincere practitioner who keeps trying, will always help us to curb the senses and to curb these, you know, dry spells and and mad mind and infatuation. And you know the amazing pastimes of Lord Chaitanya where we are just talking about Haryas Thakur. He's, uh, Lord Chaitanya is allowing all these personalities to descend in his pastimes and to show us that in this very degraded age, this is how we control the senses without fail. And this is how we're able to do what um, Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma and Arjuna seemingly by Krishna's arrangement weren't able to do initially. They weren't able to, you know, completely overcome that lust and that bewilderment and infatuation with material consciousness. But by, um, by Bhakti Yoga, it's possible. By Madan Mohan, and Madame Mohan Mohini and Shimati Radharani were able to do this. And uh, so I thought that was really a, an amazing graphic example that uh, Maharaj told and, and a wonderful reciprocation. So we should see that uh, it's, it's a reciprocation that in this very degraded age we have the opportunity to know about the chanting. We may tend to take it for granted, but um, not everybody knows this <laughs> in the age of Kali. Not everybody who's heard the holy names even knows what this is all about. And even some who chant maybe don't even know what it's all about. So he was saying that um, for the devotees, one of the big problems in the, the chanting is the, the disconnect of the mind with the holy names. In other words, the holy names are coming out like, you know, the alphabet from the mouth, but the mind is, you know, zooming around the universe. So he was saying that we need to connect, we need that, that yukta, that bhakti yoga connection, 
that uh, loving connection with uh, the holy names. And not only just to hear the sound vibration and connect in that way, but also to understand that the uh, sound vibration is, is personalities, Radha and Krishna, right? So he, he was explaining that um, from his observations and japa retreats and different festivals and from working with devotees and hearing from them and counseling them, um, that this is one of the biggest problems and that um, to not just hear the sound but also understand that this sound vibration is non-different from these personalities, Radha and Govinda, Radha Madan, Mohan, right? And so make that connection with them as personalities as you're chanting the holy names. And in this way, um, relationship develops. And, th and in that way, you don't feel compelled for um, any kind of lustful feelings in any relationships with mother, daughter, sister, father, friends, this, that. Your, your relationships are like locked in, locked in with the holy names with Radha and Govinda, Madonna, Mohan, because your mind is going to the sound vibration and the understanding that is them. Like you're, you know, you're praying to them, you're talking with them, you're, you're conversing with them. And uh, so he was saying in this way, we can uh, avoid all these difficulties and problems, lust, lack of control of senses, and uh, not establishing relationships. And when relationships aren't established like this with Madan Mohan or Radhagovinda as the center, then we will look for lusty, based relationships. So, uh, so very good advice for us for our yoga practice every day to see the personality, you know, non-different, the holy names, non-different than those personalities. So, uh, we would like to have uh, some, share some reflections or pastimes or stories. Let's do it. I was appreciating one of the points you made that uh, what a great opportunity it is to have knowledge of the whole, I mean, to have the whole game chant it itself, but have knowledge of the whole game, all the knowledge we have. And, um, when you're reading in the morning uh, uh, Donator Maharaj's book, The Joppa Reflection, and I forget who it was, but they were saying that um, something that's helped them a lot was reflecting on not necessarily asking like praying for something to get, you know, I really need help with it, but actually just reflecting on the mercy that, <laughs> the, the extreme mercy that they can even get a chant of holy name, that like, wow, I have this great opportunity. It's like Mahatma, who is also uh, his, one of his uh, job affirmations, I get to chant, I want to chant, I love to chant. So recognizing that like, I have this great opportunity and actually even if I don't feel like chanting, if you like dig deeper, you're like, wow, this, you know, the, what I get out of chanting a holy name and, all this, this opportunity, it's, it's a great opportunity, so I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you appreciate the opportunity, and then you have gratitude, so you have like a yoga of gratitude practice, and uh, so we know that our, many of our great leaders following Prabhupada's footsteps are promoting this mood of uh, gratitude for the opportunities that we have, um, so that really helps us a lot. Anyone else? So you mentioned something about the dust on the mirror, and it kind of got me thinking about, uh, I mean, if you take a mirror and you see one, and not like a normal one, say one that sees into the soul, it sees every fault, it sees every, you know, hatred, every guilt, every love that you have, it sees everything about you, that most people can't face themselves in that mirror, so they're attracted by the dust. That dust just slowly covers up their blemishes, slowly covers up the wickedness, the evil, whatever it may be, to a point when people look at the mirror, all they see is the dust of the mirror, that they're attracted to it. Yes, that's a nice way to think about it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in this age, everyone uh, wants to zone out, pretty much, 
on that desk or some kind of intoxication or something to, you know, just try to forget all this hellishness because nobody really knows how to deal with it if they even know that it's there. They just know that there's stress and anxiety perhaps and they don't know why. So yeah, this is the only way to fully remove dust. So we're really, really fortunate. Um, so like you just mentioned that, say one of those dust particles is uh, like the envy or hatred or something like that, that most people say, okay, well, I'm too stressed out with my life, I'm going to go and cover it up with alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, gambling, all these, you know, the four bad things that people seem to turn to so easily, that they're like, oh, okay, well, I like going to the bar, I like going to the steakhouse, I like going to the casino, which all these things become fun, because the original problem was, well, I don't like myself that I'm lack of this, I'm lack of that. So they get attracted by these little dust particles. And again, they see that the dust is more fun than realizing who they are inside. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a false fun, isn't it? And um, in Bhakti Yoga, we want to take the shelter of the dust of the lotus feet of the spiritual master, you know, take the shelter of their instructions, right? Like their vani, their instructions are considered like the lotus feet, the dust of their feet, and that mercy comes to us through uh, following their instructions, taking up the chanting of the holy names, in association of the devotees, getting the, the dust from the devotees, you know, their mercy, being able to serve them. And then in that way, uh, there's not so much envy in the heart, and we're able to chant better as we get rid of these, you know, huge dust particles. <laughs> so only chanting can destroy such a dust-laden heart. Um, so we know now through research, uh, psychologically and physiologically, that um, for young children, the parent of the opposite gender is often the first person that we fall in love with, so for boys it's their mother, for young girls it's their father. In this verse it talks about if we don't check our desires, we can oftentimes fall in love with our parents or siblings. So can you speak a little bit on this? Because to me it seems very natural, especially for like young children, to have some sort of romantic feelings, if they, even if they don't understand what that means, towards their parents. Yeah, it's very important. Um that the children feel loved, right? And it's important that the parents understand what, what's the source of that love, that's the Supreme Lord, right? So when they uh, share uh, lovingly with the children, it's all based on Krishna consciousness, and it doesn't become perverted. And um, in the Bhagavatam, it explains that the um, the, the girls, the, the uh, females, usually become, um, well, they take on the nature, uh, they have the nature of the father, and the boys, the nature of the mother. So there's a kind of an affinity there with that nature connection. Um, yeah, so in, in a, a wonderful way, uh, based on Krishna consciousness, affection, needs to be given to the children. And uh, it's, it's very important. So it's very natural, it's very important, and it's very um, pure when it's based on uh, Krishna consciousness. So, uh, so it's a wonderful thing to see the children nourished that way. Uh, but in the material world, when it's nourished so-called by lust, you know, like maybe the parents are living through the life of the, the boy or the girl, right, in a lusty way, like let me get my profit, adoration, and distinction from this child, you know, and they, and they lavish false uh, affection upon them to get their own, um, you know, profit, adoration, and distinction. Oh, you know, your son is just like you, you know, he's just a chip off the old block, and uh, you know, he's 
So you get puffed up by <laughs> people glorifying your children and then you're, you know, trying to exploit your children for your false ego, you know. Pushing hard, get through school, you gotta be a doctor because that's what I told all my friends and they're gonna glorify me if you become a doctor. So, uh, not that we don't want doctors, but we have a lot of nice devotee doctors. But the point is, um, how do we motivate the children? How do we share affection with the children? We do it with uh, Krishna in the, in the center. So that's a wonderful point that you brought up. Thanks. Oh, yeah, just a point about chanting attentively to clean, cleanse the dust off of us. Um, and I was just reflecting on um, this past weekend of going to Ananda's grandmother's funeral. And uh, there was actually a couple people that um, they would come up to us and kind of be like, I need to talk to you. There's something about you, and I need to know more. And we were like, okay. And that happened like four or five times. Um, some of the people that are related to Ananda haven't seen him since he was like eight years old or something. So um, that was cool for them to see him and stuff. Um, but for me, I was I was kind of like, um, yeah, right. Like in my mind, like yeah, right. Like they wanted to talk to us and stuff. And then just kind of reflecting on like the mercy of Sri Prabhupada and Guru and the deities that attentive japa and actually really working at cleansing the heart that other people can actually see it and that's what they were describing to us that they could see they were saying one woman that was actually like practicing like she was finding that going to the Christian church was really hard for her um, because it was a lot of um, like like um, externals like you need to show up at church every Sunday or you're a bad person and people would and she was finding out that it just became routine for her and she was crying that she wanted to go deeper in her love with God but she couldn't figure out how to do it and when she saw she said they know the answer and like she told us that and I was like whoa and so for me at least that was that deepened my faith that like oh yeah this thing that I do every day actually works and um not taking it for granted and really um, paying attention. Yeah, the example that the devotees show is very powerful. Yeah, thanks for that. Anyone else? So it's nine of two, so we can stop here. Uh, all glories to Srimad Bhagavatam, all glories to Srimad all glories to the Holy Name. All glories to Madame Mohan. All glories to Radha Gurumas. All glories to the devotees.